start it now? Yeah, go now. Do your intro. Uh, I hit it. Dang it. What? I don't know. We'll keep it. What's going on right now? <laughs> I'm keeping it. Go for it. It happened already, Mo. We're started? It's the, it's the no intro intro. The, oh. pig, the pig has been booted <laughs> okay. in the bacon. Uh, so who's going to start? <laughs> I think you should, Mo. All right. Welcome back to the hangar, <laughs> where this is going great so far. I can just hear the confidence from across the table. You know, here. we were just in here saying, wow, 2018 is going to be a big year. I still believe and that. And then here we start. I mean, it has to be our bigger Our content will be so good that our intros could be hot garbage every week. People are still and tuning they're still in. Gonna Look, tune don't, in. don't do that to yourself. Our intros are not hot garbage. Even your worst intro is like better than most intros. Mo's. I thought he was going to say Moe's intro. <laughs> no, no. I was like, I, say, I was, was going really, to say, heavy. hey, bleep this out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I have to say, as we're getting started, it's one of my favorite things to do every week, um, which I feel like a, a blessed man, an overused term. I have a lot of things that go on each week in my life that I'm grateful for. This is one of those things to be able to sit down with you guys and talk about things that are on my mind that are confused me about my approach to life that I feel like are really valuable to the people that are listening. That's why I'm saying 2018, I believe, is going to be a banner year for us because I feel like as the Hangar Podcast, we have moved past kind of defining the problem, which we spent a lot of episodes doing, and we're moving into what, what does it mean to actually embrace the solution, kind of these practical steps. We always throw something in there, an episode where we encourage the Hangarmen Take this step this week. Give this a shot. But I just feel like, and I don't know you guys could agree or disagree here, I just feel like there's a different tone about our efforts as we're launching into this new year of what we're expecting Jesus to do in the hearts of men this year. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Man, how do you take something so heartfelt and I turn know, it into I a just, joke? What because do you? that's what I do. <laughs> you know? hey, speaking of exciting 2018, next week is our first hangar you know, the hanger of 2018. Did you just do that correctly with the time? Yeah, deal? I just looked at the calendar to make sure when this was coming out. Okay, so we'll have week. one more episode in between here and the hanger. So the next one we record, don't say, oh, the hanger already happened. It didn't. It, <laughs> it happens be, the next day. Yeah, it would be wise for us to clarify that it's uh, February 1st is the first hanger of the year. It's the first Thursday of the month. It's actually the first day of the month that always throws people but we do want to let folks know that um, – very southern way to say that. We do want to let people know that The Hangar in March is when the movie is going to make a return. Movie night is going to make a return. We haven't the decided the movie yet, right? Literally have not. I've very got a cool. lot of suggestions, one of which was Get Low, which is a Robert Duvall movie, which uh, I, I remember watching, but it's not war-based. So I think maybe some of the guys are looking to venture out from the war genre and just – dive into this masculine movie sort of stuff, which I think we could do. So no musicals? Um, well, there's one that you've been really harping lately. <laughs> yeah, what is it again? About. We're not going to talk about Why do we? Why? Because you, if you, something excites you, Mo, you should say and yeah. not be afraid to say no, it. I watched The Greatest Showman. With Hugh Jackman, right? And um, Yes, with and Zac Efron. And, eh. Yeah. But I'll be... All right. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty big Rocky fan. I, we do. I think yes. we've talked yeah. about it. It's okay. every third or fourth episode. Yeah, yeah good. Least, All right. Yeah. If I were to sit there and have to choose one of the Rockies over this. Hey, careful. Let there is just... a chance. Okay. 
that right. I may actually pick to watch this movie over a Rocky movie. Would you pick to watch this movie over a Rocky movie 10 years from now? I mean, you're currently very excited about it because it's fresh. It's a potential. Wow. But I don't, I mean, I, 10 years, I can't, how do I, I don't know that. But this movie, like, I'm listening to the soundtrack in my car. Okay. I think it's a good point, good thing to pull out. I have movies like this. They aren't often about. Uh, they aren't often music. Are we finally doing the movie podcast? No, I've been asking down, about Chase. this for a year. <laughs> settle down. <laughs> Maybe we're just like priming the pump for the movie podcast. Oh, okay. In 2019, <laughs> I'll calm down. Yeah, bad. but I, there's something interesting about how we get captivated by particular stories. We have talked about this side of it, uh, based on where we are in life, how it speaks to our own life, and and this movie's done that for you over the past. What was it? A week? Two weeks ago, you saw it. I guess it's been a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pushing a month. And is it already? Yeah, yeah I'm still talking Definitely. about it. I guess I'm worried about it leaving theaters before I see it again in theaters. Well, you know. There's one way to solve that. Yeah. There is? Yeah, go, go to see it? Yeah, again? go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Waste that $11. I can't find my gift card. <laughs> hey, we just start a GoFundMe for your next movie. <laughs> for ticket. my next movie. <laughs> I feel quite confident we would be successful with that. So. I feel like... We should just ditch the plan and have the movie podcast. The what? Out. Oh no, I'm the totally, movie. I'm totally not prepared for that. I mean, I'm, I was like moving in that direction because I started talking about Robert Duvall, but man, I don't know that I could, I could speak intelligently. And Did then, my brain just shift this way past where? Just because you said one thing, movie, and all of a sudden I'm just like I've carried yeah. the podcast, yeah, that may, to a different direction. That may be most of I'm us. I'm gonna call that a win. Well, I think we're going to turn it back, so it'll be a brief No, we win. can, but I just made sure that everybody had an ADD moment, which is happy. Hey, you know, one time Jack Nicholson said in a movie, you can't handle the truth, right? Mm, yeah. And speaking of truth, our topic today, Ben, what is it? Stellar transition. <laughs> Thank you. It's all about lies. The student has now become the teacher. That was terrible. Dong. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> Uh, man, when I, I'm like now going through all the Robert Duvall movies that I wish I could just sit down and watch. Open range, it stops there. This afternoon. <laughs> so good. But, you know, but then we have this friend of ours, uh, Hunter Owen, uh, who's made the point recently that I actually agree with is that the Netflix original series has outpaced most movies these days. It's true. You can hang in there longer with it. The storyline, they got this character, cliff- character development actually occurs like at a you know a normal rate not a two-hour movie where you got to figure out everybody's story well it's recorded at a normal rate but when you watch all 15 episodes in 15 hours then it, you kind of speed everything up I feel like you're talking directly to me right there, i was man. a little bit okay. yeah sometimes you walk into uh, work and i can tell you have been binging netflix <laughs> for your entire weekend it happens a lot sometimes <laughs> i apologize it happens a lot sometimes it happens yep. a lot sometimes mm-hmm. that always happens every once in a while <laughs> Fifty percent of the time. God, I was about to do that one. <laughs> All right, so maybe we should dive into our topic today. It's uh, something that's just piqued my interest over the past few days, and it, it, usually the way that this starts is I start feeling some personal just angst about a particular topic, and I use this medium to work that out. So, hey, the phrase piqued my interest. Is it P E A K or P E E K? I know for a fact there are people, a number of people around us that take Adderall, and I think you should step out of the room and go grab one <laughs> real quick. I think yep. you're picking on me. No, I was, <laughs> I was, I literally yesterday I was typing "peak my interest," and I was like, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's P E A K. It probably makes sense. Yeah, the peak. 
Yeah, it's the peak of my interest. But like or it peaked your interest. It was like, oh, what that are you just, doing? And then P E E K sounds creepy. Yeah. Well, just because I said so many E's, very stalkerish. It, it is stalker. Like <laughs> it's like like that open window <laughs> peaked my interest. Like I don't. That's no good. Yeah, that sounds provocative. Yeah. So we should steer clear of that episode as well. So what I want to talk about today. As I slam the table, you can edit that out. What I want oh. to talk, no, you can't. No. Nope. What I want to talk about today is this idea that we all have a false version of ourselves that we present to the world. Now, let me clarify this before we get into all the back and forth. What I'm not trying to do through this brief episode today is just berate and chide men for trying to present strength to the world or trying to show that they have it all together. That, that's not at all what I'm talking about, although that, that's maybe a slice. I think it's the slice that most Jesus-following people just pick on all the time. What I, what I want to talk about is this makeup that I've kind of put together over time in my life that has resulted in a person that I believe is the only person that will be accepted by the people around me. Therapist and Christian guys that are writing books these days, they, they love to talk about false self. There was a book years and years ago called Veneer, which is actually a really, really great book to go through. But uh, just this idea that I've got a false self and I spend a significant portion of my internal life trying to make sure that that false self is what I'm showing to the people around me. Usually for me, I'm just saying personally, out of the motivation of trying to be accepted. Make sense? Yeah, the false self, the false identity that we create. When you're saying that you you put that forth knowing that that's not the real you. Um, in the beginning. In the beginning, okay. Yeah, in the knowing beginning, that that's not I know. the real you, so that you'll be accepted by whomever it is you're trying to be accepted, society or a specific group. I mean, are there multiple false selves? Is there one? You know what I mean? That's kind of. Yeah. For, I think for those of us who have completely gone off the deep end in this idea, yes, there are multiple false selves. So I've got a false self on the on the boat uh, drinking and fishing with my buddies. I've got a false self with my wife. I've got a false self with my children. I definitely have a false self with my boss because that's the person that pays me, that allows me to prop up all these other false selves based on who I'm with. Uh, so in the beginning... Um, I design it knowing that it's false. But the tricky part here, and this gets into the idea of self-deception, the tricky part for me has been when I live as that false person for long enough, then I just adopt it. And I think that's that's who I am. And uh, so if, when people start kind of digging around a little bit in my life, I, I don't, I'm not even aware that I'm not being myself because I've been this false self for so long. What's crazy, you said something about there's a false self that you present to your wife, to your kids. So, like, I don't know where I've heard it from, but I've heard someone say, if you want to know who a guy is, figure out who he is at home. But even from what you're saying, the, 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 what you're putting on the table is that even if you find that person, that's still a false self. That's not even the real me there. It can be, yes. So, because we live in the Deep South, I love jackets, so that makes sense, right? So let me, let me just talk about it. This my wife makes fun of me. We have a coat closet. I think we're the only coat closet in the South that actually has coats in it, and they're all mine. So I use this as an analogy. Um, I kind of, when I go to work, I put on the work jacket. 
when I go uh, for recreation with the boys, I put on the, the rec jacket. When I, when I go home, I put on, this is the easiest one, I put on the Mr. Rogers jacket. Like, I'm going to be, I'm a good dad, and I just love the fact that I'm here. And the more problems, the better, because it allows me to exercise my love over, the, over my children in this home. And here, let, let me take the, the brownies out of the oven, dear. You know, that's, it's all, it can be. I'm not saying that men are that way at home, that, that are that way at home are all false. I'm just telling you in my own story, if I'm being that way at home, there's a high potential that I'm presenting a false self even to my wife. And let me take it a step further just to get really personal here. I'm presenting a false self to my wife because I dramatically need her to validate me through sex often. And I don't want to compromise that between 5.30 and whenever it may happen later in the evening. So I present my false self at home. So if I'm not careful, and this is just, maybe this is just Ben leaking out his, his baggage, but if I'm not careful, I can go for weeks being false in every environment that I'm in and I get so spun around, I don't even realize what I'm doing, but I've lost myself. Mm. Uh, so I guess I'm just wanting to talk through with, uh, two guys that I trust. Is this a problem for most of us? Is it a problem for some of us? And if we find ourselves there as hangar men, how do we know? What do we do about it? I know it's a large question, but I think it's one that's worth approaching. I would say that it's a, a problem for, uh, man, maybe I would say most people. It's hard for me to say all people, but I, I would say most people for sure. Um, and I'm not even just talking about men. I know we're talking about men, but I think people in general suffer through this because of what society tells us we need to be or who society tells us we need to be. Um, this has been, I mean, my whole, I guess, uh, maybe I'll say a month or two. It was, so we said I watched that movie a month ago. So it, had to be, it was started before the movie. Um, but this is what my whole life has been centered around is breaking the false self and, and, and embracing the true self and not looking at what everyone says you need to be, but recognizing that you are someone else. And that is why you're so miserable trying to be that other person. So this is why I think this is crazy. This is actually working today. Like I just want to say that for a minute, but this is why I think that movie was so powerful for you because the way you've been talking about it is that that was your true self in movie form. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, yeah, that's that's the version of Mo that I know is in there that I haven't had the confidence or whatever it is. I, I haven't let that out. I've, and it makes you keenly aware of these little things that have built the false over time. And I, I agree with what you're saying. It wasn't a leading question, but hearing you, I'm growing in confidence myself. It isn't. This isn't just a symptom of the masculine condition. It's a symptom of the human condition that for some reason we have all adopted the fig leaf in order to distract people from where we fall short. And especially if we've had people in our life, and I think this is a case for a lot of us too, because broken people raise us, especially if we've had people in our life that have driven us into those deficiencies by pointing them out. This is a deficiency and you need to get this better. I do this with my own sons. I've, I've said this phrase to my own son. If you don't get this straight, it's going to be a difficult life for you. He's 10. He's 10. Where's that coming from? It's coming from me telling my own 10-year-old, you better start building some false self or else you're not going to make it. Yeah. I'm passing this language down to my own kids. It's a matter of safety. I think 
for me anyway. So, you know, it's not safe for me to be that me because it is a difficult life. It's more difficult when, uh, here's an example. When I was in high school, my junior year, I became a cheerleader. While I was a cheerleader, here was my excuse. My excuse was I did it because my cousin didn't want to do it by himself and I didn't want to leave him hanging. And there was a lot of hot girls. False. And that is false. Right. I enjoyed the crap out of it. But the whole time I was there to my cousin, and this may be the first time I'm actually admitting it out loud in public, I enjoyed being a high school cheerleader. But I put off this front that it was just something I was doing, even just something I was doing for the girls, because I didn't want people to think I was gay. And it was dangerous for me to let it out. It was scary for me to let out that I really enjoyed this. I mean, if it's confession time, here it is, you know, like... There you go. I actually, I actually enjoy musicals, like plays and stuff like that. I actually enjoy them. I think we got that straight with the movie stuff. And uh, yes. well, I mean, but that's not it. Like, it, this wasn't just a oh, I didn't know this was a musical, but now I enjoy it. Well, you like, love yeah. Mary Poppins too. Well, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Mary Poppins, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> like, like I enjoyed even the watching, old school stuff, man. I enjoyed looking at like live um, musicals. Or yeah, animated. yeah. Like when I went to. Um, Recently, the high school, uh, Martin County, not Martin County. <laughs> Where is Martin Sorry, County? That's, that's Florida. That's the other rich school in Florida that I was at. Uh, um, <laughs> Madison Central, they did this uh, Seussical thing. It was like a, a play with Dr. Seuss stuff, and I love really Dr. Good. Seuss. And I watched it, and I was just like, oh, I want to come back. Like, this is so much fun. I love this stuff. Um, my cousins were both in drama, and I was so jealous that they were in the drama department. But I was not brave enough to go reveal that self. Like I had to put on this persona uh, that I was a different person because I was afraid to reveal who I really, really was. And that's carried through adulthood. You know, I mean, even now, part of part of what I struggle with as a youth pastor, as a student pastor, is letting that self free. Right. Even though I know I really want to, but what if? I mean. The reason I didn't let it free when I was in high school is because high school kids can be pretty mean. I mean, to be the person who's supposed to be of influence and letting that self free, how will they react? It'll be that same thing again, you know? Yeah, I love what you're pointing out about the uh, chronology is that we're willing to do this in the beginning of our stories, even when the stakes are much lower. Obviously, and I remember this about being a teenager— you don't know that the stakes are lower. They feel as high as they ever are in your life. But as you get older, you realize the stakes are much higher if I reveal my true self to the person that I married while I was my false self 15 years ago or the person that hired me three months ago. You know, like it just it's almost feels like life just boxes you in even further. Part of what I want to ask at this part of the conversation, though, is that what is it? that it convinced you that admitting that you enjoyed cheerleading at that point in your life was not a good idea. Other than just kids can be mean, high school kids can be mean, but they, they're mean about stuff anyway. What was it specifically about that where you're like, nope, can't do that? I mean, the acceptance, I guess. Um, I don't really know. I had to be a certain person. I had to be cool. That wasn't really cool. There was a guy that did it before me before we did it, uh, and he was, man, he was, he was super popular. Um, everyone knew him, but he was just 
weird. Like I had a negative view of who he was. Um, the question, the buzz around is, is he gay? Is he not gay? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, the guy was super talented. He could sing like, I mean, he should have been like caught up by a record label. This guy was good. Um, he never did anything with it because he was weird. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It was, it was just this whole, I couldn't be that and I couldn't be comfortable being that. And that guy was, you know, but later on we ended up hanging out uh, in life and I remember when he walked into my house the first thing my mom said literally are you gay because he had earrings all over the place you know he 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 just had this weird swagger um so I you know it was it was probably that it was me that's how your mom greeted a guy that came to your house for the first time that's not the first one (laughs) yeah yeah actually my my older brother's best friend, RJ. I've talked about RJ. Yeah. Um, the first thing she said to him, and he says, "Are you the gay?" That's the first thing she says. Are you the gay? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that's that was literally the first response, the first, the first interaction with my mom was, "Are you the gay?" That that accent was long overdue to make Man, an appearance on this podcast. That? He just went straight to it. I mean, he was like, I don't know, like he switched just so <laughs> eloquently. A, a different man sitting in front of us suddenly. <laughs> I almost lost my train of thought, but thankfully I didn't. The response I'm having to that is um, because other men who have done that kind of thing are away, we're unwilling to to do that. You know, like, well, I know what the eccentric artist is because I've met one, and I can't be that because if I'm that, I'm going to be one. So we lose all this sense of individuality, and I think that that very early on, all of us seek to fit into some sort of tribe. I mean, our, our guest that we've had on the past two episodes was talking about acceptance. That word just came out a lot. And I think even at a very young age, we, we crave acceptance. I, I see this happen inside of my house. Everybody wants this particular thing as a five and six year old because it's what everybody has. And that's not just consumerism, that's acceptance. So it drives us to kind of build this false self. And you, you are that way. I think I was that way growing up in the South. I, I had to be an athlete. There were certain sports that I liked and certain sports that I didn't, but I was going to find one all year where I could keep up that identity, uh, even though I shouldn't have. And it led me to do, do some things that I never would have chosen to do. Uh, and so we don't drop this in adolescence. We just keep it going. Um, and then we receive these very negative things in our life because we're not living as who we really are. Uh, this is big language and culture today. I've got to be who I am. I've got to live who I am. I just wonder when I hear that phrase come out of people's mouths, both male and female, are you really telling me that you are so committed to this false self you can't actually face reality? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna respond that will also answer the question more honestly that you asked me before that I never really got to um, because I that I felt, felt very accusatory. I Did I block figure, your answer? No, 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 no. I, it was. It came. You know, my brain. It came after the fact. Um, but my cousin, whom I, whom I, who, who convinced me to do cheerleading, my cousin was not the person that would allow himself to put the false self while he was in high school. He was the guy who was like, "I enjoy dance. I'm going to go join the dance club," and he would take heat for it from me 
Um, he was the guy that was like, no, I enjoy drama. I'm going to go join the drama team. Uh, I enjoyed cheerleading. I'm going to go do cheerleading. It looks cool. Like he didn't, I'm going to wear what I want to wear and do what I want to do and say what I want to say. I'm going to listen to the music that I want to listen to. And I don't care what anyone says, even though it hit him hard when people didn't accept him, even though it was difficult for him going through school and he still has wounds that he's dealing with. Like I didn't want to be him because I knew how uncool he was. And even in my book, so I wasn't willing to allow myself because he and I have very similar interests. I wasn't willing to allow myself to, to, to take that path, to deal with that. And even to this day, he's, we're the same age. Um, he is doing things that are so completely off the wall that his family doesn't necessarily a hundred percent agree with or accept because, um, you know, the older brother is the successful business making a lot of money got good grades, got a college degree, you know, he, and, and I'm, and I'm saying this cause I hope he's listening. I want, I wanted to say that he was the one who was willing to live that true self. And I wasn't. Um, so I, I just felt like it was important for me to say that cause I hope he's listening and I hope, right he, yeah. I hope he hears that, uh, right now as a 34 year old man, I'm looking back and I'm saying, I wish I was more like him. When we were there, it was he who was wishing he was like me. So you bring up a good point. It is it, and I, of course we know the answer to this. Let me just not pose it as a question. It's never too late to choose to live from the true self. It's never too late. So I think part of this we have to bring into the conversation is most of us as men do not really know how to interpret our stories to try to determine or untangle. I, I use this analogy too much, but I'm, I was of the generation when the first Nintendo came out, mm-hmm. and the part of the problem with those controllers they were they were wired. Isn't that crazy? You had to plug them into the console. But part of the problem with that is they always got tangled, and it was just this huge ordeal to try to stop and untangle that rat's nest before you could play Super Mario or whatever the other games were. Uh, Excite bike. Yeah, punch out. Duck hunt. <laughs> duck hunt, yeah. Did Were you guys, anybody, uh, the rich kid that had the pad that you could run on? Do you remember that? I we was had, not, but my neighbor was. Yeah, we had one, but it was when, like, Sega Genesis had already come out. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, somebody in your family got it at Goodwill yeah. and brought it home. Uh, so, anyway, to stop and untangle all that just takes so much work, and we don't really know how, and we experience that same internal emotional feeling about halfway through. Like, I would literally rather just cut all these up and go buy a new one than try to figure out how to untangle this. So we tend to do a really bad job in interpreting our own stories and we don't invite other people in to do that. A lot like what we've just been doing. I'm asking questions to you about cheerleading. You know, some of those may have been more difficult to answer on your own earlier on in your story. So I guess what I'm wanting to encourage or challenge the hangar men with this week is that everyone, what we're saying and uh, chase, I really appreciate all your input today. Everything uh, you've been talking the whole time, so. <laughs> and Mo, and Mo, yeah. Well, you're welcome. Um, everybody has a false self. So the first box we can check off is everyone has it. So so get out of the dilemma. If you're listening to this podcast and wondering, do I have a false self? We're answering that for you. Yes, yes. I wanted in- to be in drama club and debate team, and I didn't do either of them. Instead, you did what? Football. Hey, welcome to the South. Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Dude, this is 
this is high school musical right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it, Mo. Um, so everybody's got the false self. So the next step is if we realize that, then we have to start figuring out, I would say, as we all would say, with the help of other people, what that false self is. This is where you start getting into the extremely dangerous, courageous territory of what it is to be a man today. Looking at the people around you, as we've, as we've said before, asking the people around you, what's it like to be around me? What do you, what do you see in me? So we've already kind of uh, walked across that for a long time. The, the thing I want to pull out, and this is something that John Eldridge brought up in his book, Wild at Heart, that I've been re-reading here lately, is that he says because, because Jesus loves us so much, he is unwilling to allow us to live in the false self because he knows who we are truly. This is where we have to give that disclaimer as hanger men. We are unapologetically following Jesus, believing in Jesus. We believe particular things about Jesus that are revealed to us through the Bible, through each other, and through our lives. Jesus is unwilling to allow us to exist in that false self and that means that he does particular things in our stories. Um, the language that um, John Eldridge used basically centers around he will attack it. He will thwart it. Is a, nobody uses that word anymore unless they're typing a book. But he will thwart the false self. So my question is, are there things that have happened in our lives, maybe things that are happening right now in hanger men's lives, right now as they're listening to this, that they are so angry about? because they don't like them and they're blaming God for them, that God hates them or he's punishing them. And what, what God might actually be up to is giving them the gift of dismantling their false self. Could it be, man, this is, this is bold. And I, if I have to apologize, let me pre-apologize for this, but could it be that your injury was part of Jesus lovingly dismantling your false self. Absolutely. I, I, I believe that 100%. Specific, like sports injury or whatever. Or are you saying yeah, like I'm sorry. Yeah. Talking, you were talking to me specifically. I was talking right? to yeah. you like everybody oh, would yeah. know what your injury was. Yeah, you had blew a, my a, knee out. You blew your knee yeah. out and there goes soccer. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I don't. I have, I have believed that for years. I have thanked God for that years ago. Um, it still dealing with the what happened back then, <laughs> you know what I mean? I say years ago, I don't mean like 15 years ago. I mean like five years ago, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I, I'm not talking about, uh, I, I believe that God absolutely allowed that to happen if he didn't initiate it himself so that I could, um, be where I'm at right now, that road. And I didn't think it was any coincidence when the sport that injured me is the sport that I ended up coaching. Not the one that I loved. Maybe that's part of revealing that to me. But I ended up coaching that sport and not the other one, not soccer. I didn't turn into a soccer coach when my soccer career was over. I turned into a gymnastics and cheerleading coach, and that's when I got injured doing that. And that's what I hated for a long time because I couldn't play soccer anymore. But honestly, I probably could have quit soccer for cheerleading and been fine. I might even wish I did. But... Um, I believe that God had his hand in that, 100%, no doubt, no, no question about it. How about for your story, Chase, on, um, something in your life where you would say, maybe initially my response was, you know, screw you, God, for letting this happen. But looking back, you realize, man, that was, that was God dismantling something false in me. Yeah, mine's not as crazy as like a, you know, blown out knee. But, uh, you know, I, 
I talk about it all the time, but it's just the experience I have. But I interned at a, a camp for students called Big Stuff in 2014, and my and that's a summer internship. And my plans for like my literally my only plans at that time were that I was gonna do Big Stuff again the next year. Like I just I knew I was going to. I knew it. And then January came around the following year, for, you know, for when it's announced if you're gonna be an intern or not. And I didn't get it, and I was just like bewildered. It like, cause I was, I was so certain that th- that was what I was supposed to do. And I was also working at the job I was at then, the part-time job I was at then that was full-time hours at minimum pay. And I was, so I was like, I was miserable and I hated like everything about that job in terms of like the people. So I was so ready to be done with it. And then when I didn't get the out that I wanted, I was just so confused. But luckily I was interning at a church, vertical church at that time. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to stick with that because it's what I've got and it's my escape from, you know, the other job I had. And here I am, you know, full time three years later now. That's crazy. So so it is possible, and I, I think this is good to throw out in a, in a neutral. I've learned this, that it's good to discuss these things when you're feeling neutral and not pressed about them because you can actually think them through. But what we're proposing is that it is possible that God will either allow or initiate difficult things in your story because the end game is to break down our addiction to that false self. For me, it was pretty dramatic. It had to be pretty dramatic. And I, I would say in my life, the, the level of this interruption had to be this high because I was so committed to the false self. I got a cancer diagnosis. And I'm sitting with an oncologist and he's like, yeah, if we don't do anything, you're going to die. That's what it took for Jesus to lovingly deconstruct my false Northeast Jackson self. See, it, that's why I didn't want to go because you were going to follow me up with the cancer bomb. No, so but I, like I, you I, win. what I'm saying is I'm, I'm admitting just how far down this road I was. And I think our examples are showing maybe you weren't quite as far down that road. You had some more stuff settled in you than than I did. I mean, I was just being who everybody else needed me to be. Again, I'm not judging the people in that particular part of the town I grew up in. I just bought in because I wanted to be accepted. And, and Jesus's interruption of my story had to be life-threatening, which kind of does this this is what a great transition sounds like Mm. it did highlight the fact you're welcome that i had something that was literally life-threatening that was more dramatic and more costly than a cancer diagnosis i had lost myself i had lost my soul i had given it over to something that was never going to give me life and if i wasn't careful i was going to pursue that sort of acceptance through those means for the for the rest of my life and i'm admitting I've had to do a lot of detailed work uh, through a lot of very honest conversations with people to break that down. I think a lot of men, just as making this kind of last statement here from me on this tirade, tyrant, whatever they're called. um, That's a a combination of two words. Yep. Um, I do that a lot. It's a talent (laughs) of mine. Uh, So the idea here for me is I've finally built the courage to make the commitment to not at least consciously live in this in this false self way, and uh, I know I'm probably going to take a lot of heat here for as many times as I'm mentioning John Eldridge, but man, this guy said some some stuff that's pretty pivotal for a lot of a lot of people across the world actually in, in his writings. But this particular quote says what I'm trying to say very well. 
Uh, he's talking about where Jesus says in Luke 9, 24, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And he's painting that verse in, in this way. But um, So moving past Jesus and getting to John, that's what the quote I'm trying to get to here. Uh, John says, he says that the things we do, meaning Jesus, to save our psyche, our self, those plans to save and protect our inner life, which you were talking about, Mo, you know, talking about safety and acceptance. He ends it by saying those things, those are the things that will actually destroy us. So by seeing this new truth that it isn't a revealing of the true self to the people around me that's going to destroy me, what will actually destroy me is living as a false man for the entirety of my story. So that, that's kind of my... I don't know how that hits you guys, but that's my new motivation to say I've got to be as as much Ben as possible, the Ben that Jesus created me to be, in order to not lend my life or lead my life towards destruction. I think that statement that you made about being the the Ben that Jesus created me to be, that is a huge, huge statement. And, and I've spent a lot of time in the church world hearing that, the person that you were created to be, the person that you were born as, is a is a is a is a bad person. is a is prone to sin. is prone to which is true, right? Where uh, the word, the big church word, there is depraved, right? The depravity of man and just their just inability. Scary. To, yeah, it's yeah. just their their inability to 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 naturally be the person that God wants them to be. And and sure, all of that is true. Yes, I get that. But there's something about this word redeeming that really strikes me in this conversation specifically. It's God created us to be a certain person. We have a certain personality. We have certain gifts and talents. And and I don't think any of that was done by accident. The passions, the desires, everything that we love, those secret um, joys that we hide from people because we're afraid of what they will think. Jesus has a way of redeeming those things and using them for his good. So even though before we used to be a person who was prone to sin and prone to selfishness and prone to to using those things in a way that doesn't honor God, once we become in Christ, once Jesus takes over our lives, we become a new person. But that new person isn't necessarily designed differently. That new person is redeemed and used differently. So all of those things that we hide from people are the exact things that God wants to use of us for his purpose and for others in the world. So when we're hiding that self, when we're not being that self, what we're doing is we're depriving the world of what could be, of what God wants us. We're depriving the world of us. The world needs us. God created us for the world so that we can do these amazing things for him. And that gives him the ultimate glory. Like I've heard this, it bothered me so much. Somebody posted on Facebook this question, do you ever feel like you just exist? And a well-meaning person posted, we do just exist to glorify God. It's a tough place, but that's what we got to do. There is no way that just existing glorifies God. He created us for a purpose, on purpose, with specific desires, with talents and passions, and so that we can live fully for him. And I believe when we're living the true self, that is when we're glorifying God the most. But so many of us have been taught by organizations and institutions that call themselves churches in Jesus' name that they need to take that person and and hide him and put this, this khaki shirt tucked in person in front of everybody and be a, a, a meaningful member of society and not let that person who who is depraved and, and caused us into sin and all this, let that person out. When that's the person that God wants 
to show that he redeemed. You know, Wild Bill, right? The yeah. wild guy is the person that he was finally free to live as, right? So this is the person that God really wants to use, not that button-up person that we're putting in front of people that they're telling us that we need to be. And so I'm going to trump your 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 quote of <laughs> of John with Jesus, right? Man. I see your your John and I raise you Jesus. Another <laughs> oh, you're person, a genius. Another person who has imp- impacted with his words many people around the world. The world yeah. You know, um, including John. Jesus said that I have come to give you life and life to the full, life in abundance. And I think the only way that we can truly live is if we're willing to allow ourselves to be that person that we're hiding. That's what Jesus, that's still Jesus? That was, that was a long that was quote me. for Jesus. That was me adding You quoted on Jesus and you Jesus added to Jesus. I explained. That was really smart. Yeah, that's yeah. what I do. It so works. The, the, um, <laughs> that's kind of my job. That's a, the, um, so what I'm saying is that, you know, the first part of that quote is the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, and he says that I have come to give you life and life to the full. And we have said and that, that what Jesus is saying is that this means that we get eternal life. Yeah, sure. That is true. But I believe that that starts... He says nonchalantly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to live forever. It's going to be we all know that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but yeah, but what we miss... What are you doing for me now, Jesus? Yeah, but what we miss is that he offers that to us now. He has redeemed that old person, and we get to be a new person that has a huge impact on the world for him. So like all of those things that we have and the reason why we so many of us are, are, are walking around feeling like zombies is because we are trying to live a life that we're not designed to live. That's what you're talking about. Absolutely. We're designed to be a certain person to do a certain thing. And that that could be being a doctor, but a certain kind of doctor. You know what I mean? Like stop taking ourselves so seriously and allow the true self out so that we can most glorify God, most uh, impact the world around us the, the better way or the best way, um, and be free to live a life that is meaningful so that when we find ourselves in difficult situations— we can actually experience joy that is unexplainable. You're hitting the nail on the head, man. I mean, I know for my for my life, uh, I had a, a point where I felt uh, God communicating to me. I'm always careful with that because I don't I don't mean audibly. It just weirds me out when people say that they they audibly have heard God, but I felt God communicating to me internally. The you that you're hiding from everyone is so much more interesting. Be that guy be that guy. And then I started to see um, among other men as I started to know their stories. You know how this works. You're like having a really intense personal conversation with a guy and then somebody else walks in and you see that false self push forward and you start thinking, man, I wish everybody knew Wild Bill. I wish everybody knew that guy, not the guy that he's putting up in front of other people. So let me ask you this because you got, I mean, that was a little bit of a tyrant you just went on right there. That's what it's actually, that's what those sound like. So wrapping up the episode, I'm a hanger man. I'm listening to this. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I've I've built the false self. I'm starting to figure that out. It's a little bit frightening to come to that realization. How would you say as a guy who has worked through a lot of this, let's be honest, how would you say uh, to go about dismantling that false self what does it look like i mean I, you got to give me some practical steps because i'm i'm a dude and other than that this is going to be a fun conversation what do i do about it yeah i think bill 
mentioned, I guess, I don't know who mentioned. I was so many. He said that he told me this, and somebody told him that because he stole it or whatever. There was a musket. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things he mentioned is collecting the dots before you connect the dots. Roan said That's that. Roan. Yeah, Roan. But, but then we admitted but that Roan admitted steals that he everything. Stole it. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> collecting the dots so you can connect the dots. I think that's a really good practical step. I think part of it is really being able to be honest with someone who can tell you what those dots are cuz we have a tendency to pass over. We're we're in an identity crisis. We don't really know those things. But until someone can hear your story and say, "You know, it sounds to me like the struggles that you're having point you back to this one thing. What is this one thing?" You know, what is that one thing that you've been hiding that you've been that you've been uh, you've allowed to lie dormant for so long that it's just the shriveled little slug in the in the, in the dirt? Right. Uh, that we can we can figure out a way to I couldn't figure out a way to make that analogy grow any because I don't know about slugs. But the point is, well, I mean, yeah, the point I couldn't is, help you out. Either. Yeah, the point <laughs> is, the point is. Um, it, I think it's important. And this is where community comes in. But honest, open community being able to sit down with someone and say, I'm feeling like I'm just existing, acknowledging that, and then recognize that that means there's something that God is pointing you to, and would you please help me find that? Mm-hmm.